What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 104, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Failsafe. Failsafe. This podcast that you're listening to, it's an independent podcast. We keep this thing independent thanks to your support and just because we want to do it. You can find stuff that you can do and support the show over at patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate. we got some tiers of things that give you votes for things that do we do those shows with things. But if you're saying to yourself, wait a minute. I want to listen to all the cool stuff, but I have no I have no dollars. I'm pulling up my empty pockets. You can't see that. Um, <laughs> don't worry. Everything that we produce will put up on our main feed at some point. It's just that the Patreon people get to hear the cool stuff first. So if you want to be a cool kid, that's where you do it. Indeed. But regular stuff's going to be on main feeds like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and wherever you can find a podcast like your favorite podcast aggregators. And I haven't checked in a bit, but uh, if you want to leave a wordy review on Apple Podcasts, uh, we have committed to making a dramatic recreation for everyone. Plus, I've been putting some of those words up on our handy-dandy website, which, uh, Zach, you and I made an inside joke on the Patreon a little bit ago. I'm going to keep it between us for now, but uh, needless to say, I did not do the thing on the website that I said I was going to do regarding cheese and grilling. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's all right. Uh, I see a little note here about a special thanks, Zach. Is that yes. is that accurate? So, so okay. uh, we have a new patron uh, subscriber, and so I want to give hey. a very special shout out to Jay. Um, that's all I have is the letter J. So the J, letter J, whomever you are, thank you very oh, much for supporting us. We appreciate supporter. it very, very much. Also, yeah. to all of you who are Patreon subscribers, I did send out a, an email set of emails this yesterday. Uh, it was yesterday about uh, the February Patreon votes, so please check your email boxes and uh, respond well to those with your votes and how you'd like to do that. If you did not receive an email, uh, please contact us, and I will we'll figure something out because I should have yeah. sent those out. Um, you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, W-I-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-C-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I just moved straight on there, Brent. Right? Uh, it's it's it entertains me every time. Oh, We've good. done it a hundred and four times, and I'm still chuckling. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Uh, you can, of course, find us also on Twitter at Stargate Walking. On Facebook, we've got a Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page and Facebook group. We've had several new people uh, like that Facebook group, so thank you very much for those nice. of you who hit that like Excellent. button. Uh, go ahead Welcome. and uh, join the Facebook group and continue the conversation therein. Uh, you can also go to our website, wtts.space. Space! Uh, and of course, patreon.com slash walking through the Stargate for all of that, if that's mm -hmm. what you would like to do. Yes. Oh, so, um, oh, I can take that little bit of. Uh, I was just about to do it too. We're not going to take next week off. Yeah, we're not taking next, week's off, next week off. Nope. Not intentionally. Nope. All right. Uh, although you would think that after having a week off, we would be better prepared and that we would be kind of ready to rock, but. Um, friends, unfortunately, Zach and I got on the phone and we talked for literally 90 minutes about stuff. It was a great conversation. It was a it, super great conversation. It was. But here we are <clears throat> running along in the tooth. So we have set for ourselves a challenge that we are going to try to get the whole thing done in an hour, which means, Zach, we've got a deadline 
And if we cross the failsafe, then all of humanity is going to be done for. Well, we don't want all of humanity to be done for. So let us get started on fixing this ship, shall we? Right on. All right. Let's rock. So the director of this episode is none other than Andy Makita. We saw him earlier this season as he directed. Well, we didn't see him, but he directed the episode Proving Ground. And he's directed some Mm. other things in previous Mm -hmm. seasons and will continue to do so in the future. The teleplay mm-hmm. for this episode is by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully. This is their sixth of seven episodes this season. They did Summit and Wormhole Extreme and Desperate Measures and The Tomb and The Fifth Man. And now they're doing this one, and they've got one more coming in the future. Nice. All right. We have several guest actors in this episode that need to be addressed. We've got Colin Cunningham returning as Major Davis. Of course, Yay! Gary Jones as Sergeant Walter Radar Harriman. Dr. Janet Frazier is played by Terrell Rothery. Woohoo! Uh, there are a couple others, but there are some two names that I want to specifically highlight for this. One is mm-hmm. David Bloom, who plays Spellman. This is the guy, mm-hmm. the scientist, who's like, you don't have any... This defies physics, and you know <laughs> yes. it. And then he gets chucked into the gate, which is awesome. Uh, this is actually the second time... I don't know if you noticed him, uh, but we've actually seen his face on Stargate before. Uh, he played mm-hmm. one of the prisoners... In the episode Prisoners, way back oh. in season two. <laughs> but there was like 700 extras in that episode. Yeah, but he was actually one that had uh, like dialogue and stuff. Oh, did so he, he have wasn't lines? Like, 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 oh. He wasn't just an extra. He was, um, I can't remember exactly. I think he was, I think I don't remember. But he was in that I episode. You'd have to watch it. Um, gotcha. Other things that he has done is OKJA is Akya, Akja, I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, I, Zombie, Almost Human, Supernatural Psych, The X-Files, The Outer Limits, Mantis. Those are all things that are on his credits. Uh, Mm -hmm. His first IMDb credit came in 87 when he was in the short video Rainbow War. And this is what Rainbow War is about. There are three kingdoms floating separately in space. They can see each other nearby, uh, but they have no means to communicate or visit. Each has developed a fanatical obsession for a specific color for clothing, architecture, and even plant life. One blue, one red, <laughs> one golden. And a forbidden interkingdom romance and a war of conquest ensues when a means of travel between the kingdom is abruptly found. I kind of want to see that. So, that, that sounds kind of cool. It is. <laughs> it could be. We'll I mean, see. I fear that it stinks, but... I mean, it's preposterous, but I like preposterous. Yeah. So there you go. You can go look up Rainbow War, and he's in that. Uh, nice. The other name I want to bring up is Greg Anderson, who plays Weber. He is the other uh, engineer technician there <laughs> yeah. in that one. He's got like two lines in this. And yep. normally it wouldn't be a big deal. Uh, he was born in 61 in New Brunswick, Canada. Uh, he's known for Stargate 4400 and Strange Luck. Uh, according to mm-hmm. IMDb, he had an acting career from around 1990 to about 2012. Um, he's been mm-hmm. a guest actor in several shows, including The X-Files, Millennium, Dead Man's Gun, uh, The New Adams Family, Broken Saints, and, of course, The 4400, and, of course, SG-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first credit came in 1990 when he played a splat member on the TV show Superforce. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> SPLAT is an acronym. I can see that. Oh, it is. An, yeah. No, no idea. Uh, the reason I point Greg out in this uh, episode is because this is the first time we will see him in Stargate. Now, we won't ever see mm-hmm. Weber again, but Greg does return mm-hmm. and play a significant role later on in the series. Ah, okay. So Cool. Um, and, and he'll be a recurring character uh, during that time. So... Mm-hmm. This episode originally aired on April 5th, 2002. Number one mm-hmm. on the charts in the UK and in the US were still in the US was Ain't It Funny by Jennifer Lopez and Unchained Melody in the UK mm-hmm. by Garrett Gates. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are those songs there and, you know, nothing's changed a whole lot. Nope. Um, and with nothing changes, that makes me panic a little bit, which means I need a panic room. And I need a panic room because uh-huh. somebody is chasing me, trying to kill me, and they need to be charged with high crimes because why oh, not? Oh, you know, oh, and if I get yep. stuck in that panic room too long, I might discover when I get out that it's an ice age. <laughs> and at that point in time, I really will be a rookie because I have no idea how to survive in an oh, ice age. Gosh. <laughs> but what I would definitely need is probably not one, but two blades. So that I can survive <laughs> in the Ice Age. Nice. Well done. That Thank one was you. superb. All right. So no, no, that, that is a weird way of saying superb. Superb. Okay. What was happening? What was happening at around this time? On April 1st of 2002, the Netherlands legalized euthanasia, becoming the first nation mm. in the world mm-hmm. to do so. So mm-hmm. on April 2nd, uh, Israeli force, forces surround the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem, into which armed Palestinians had retreated. And there is a giant in- siege that ensues at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, did, I don't, I don't recall the specifics of that, so I don't know how that ends, but it begins on April 2nd. On mm-hmm. April 4th, the Angolan government and the UNITA or UNITA, I'm not certain how you pronounce that, rebels, sign a peace treaty ending the Angolan Civil War. So, mm-hmm. huzzah. And then on April yep. 6th, uh, France beats Ireland 44 to 5 in the Stade de, Fran- de France uh, St. Denis uh, uh, competition. Uh, whatever it is, uh, to complete a grand slam <laughs> and win the Six Nations Rugby Championship tournament. That's probably the word. Congratulations, I was for. France! Indeed. Yeah, but they were the home team. Yeah. Well, anyway, they still won. <laughs> they still won. All right. In a resounding fashion. Indeed. So, uh, at the beginning of this episode, we're digging into the trivia. Wow, we are doing mm-hmm. really well, Brent. The people are going to be like, why can't you do this We're moving every along, week? yeah. All right. At the beginning of um, this episode, Jack O'Neill says, I've seen this movie. It hits Paris. And of course, that's a reference to the movie Armageddon starring Bruce Willis, of which this is at least a marginal ripoff. Um, I don't want to close my eyes. I don't want to fall asleep because I miss you, baby. And, oh, wait. Sorry. I'm getting distracted. Sorry. All right. <clears throat> so, sorry. Also, the, uh, so in 1998, the movie Armageddon uh, uh, comes out. And this is, of course, a movie about an asteroid coming to hit Earth. And, and then uh, mm-hmm. Bruce Willis and his team has to go save the day. Uh, there was another natural disaster movie that came out in 1998, which had almost the exact same plot, Deep Impact. 
Uh, only that was yep. a comet, not an asteroid. However, the spacesuits right. worn by O'Neill and Teal'c while on the asteroid are the same spacesuits propped spacesuit props used in that film Deep Impact. Um, so nice. there you have it. So there's a nice. Connection. I have seen Deep Impact. I think I saw Deep Impact when it came out, meaning I wouldn't remember the spacesuits. Yeah, the last time I saw Deep Impact was back in 98. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, likewise with Armageddon. I haven't seen that one since the movie came out either. Um, neither of them were especially great movies, uh, but so be it. No. Uh, yep. The asteroid is. Uh, 137 kilometers long. The one that killed the dinosaurs mm-hmm. about 65 million years ago uh, was believed to only be between 11 and 81 kilometers across. So mm-hmm. this one is substantially larger. And the destructor would be two to 10 of- times larger. Yes. Yes. And, and for the science nerds out there, We've learned many things about the compositions of asteroids in the recent pa- uh, recent months with a couple of uh, missions that have grabbed some material from asteroids. And that this particular asteroid was uh, filled with naquita and super dense means that everybody that doesn't know their physics, force equals mass times velocity. This asteroid would have been... It probably would have probably liquefied planet Earth. We're not talking about an extinction event in the same way the dinosaurs. Maybe not liquefied, but it would have been, no. It would have been amazing in in the bad way. Uh, So, no, and that's probably true even if the core wasn't Naquita. Because they were just assuming that it was an iron-nickel core. Um, Yeah, I mean, no no question about it. It was going to be terrifyingly bad. But but if the mass of the object was substantially larger than what was expected... Side note, I could probably get into a bunch of science nerd problems. We want to keep this episode brief, so I'm going to just keep it to this. It would have been even worse. Even worse. All right. So uh, Major Carter mentions that the bomb that they're going to use is the largest bomb they've ever built, equal to 1 billion tons of TNT. That makes it a 1,000 megaton bomb. Uh, For comparison, (laughs) the largest (laughs) nuclear bomb ever built was the Tsar Bomba, uh, which has a yield of 50 megatons. Yeah. So, big Yeah, the person bomb. that made the Zarbamba was worried that it was... that They originally built it to be 100 megatons, and then, like, just before they blew it up, the guy that designed it had a change of heart, so he filled up basically half of it with inert material because he <laughs> thought it would literally ignite the atmosphere. Ah, well, there you yeah. go. There you go. I know, right? <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> so, um... The unit being used uh, at about nine minutes in to repair the hyperdrive engines is a modification of a Hewlett-Packard 3780A pattern generator. Um, That's a nice little prop that they use there. Of course, if this was normally it's used to service computers and computer monitors, and if that's all it does, it's not going to be very helpful in fixing the engines of a spaceship. But there you go. Hey. There you go. Maybe these spaceship engines would be well served by that little device because right. these are future space engines. So now there is, of course, when they determine that this uh, asteroid is um, filled with Naquita, they make the supposition that the Guawuld probably sent this on their way, uh, which I believe mm-hmm. is a reference to uh, 
what uh, Osiris was talking to the the system lords about what Anubis could do yep. for them, right? Yep. So when he's like, oh, yeah, well, let me in, and I'll take care of them before you let me in, and then you can't be held responsible. Um, uh, it, it's a fairly safe assumption that this is probably that. Um, yep. Now, uh, there actually is... Well. A, an asteroid named Anubis, 1912 Anubis, is an actual asteroid that was discovered by a Dutch astronomer in 1960. Um, although, hmm. since this one was clearly not from this solar system, it's not the same. They're different. They are different, indeed. Okay. Um, let's see here. Yeah, then uh, this episode in other languages in the fr the french they call it impact mm -hmm. the hungarians call mm -hmm. it safety limit the italians and spanish say fail safe in their various yep. languages mm -hmm. the czechs say it's the breaking point and the mm -hmm. germans mm -hmm. say das ende der welt which is the end of the world oh my goodness i see what they did there they did their normal german thing of giving away the ending, but this time they did a switcheroo. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. So yes. you're watching it like the world's going to end because the German title said the end of the world, but it doesn't. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Shall we dig into the synopsis here? Yes. And good, good job on keeping us on pace. Let's I keep am it up. doing the keep best I can. Because you're doing the great, rock dude. Is coming, and I'm not talking about Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I'm talking about the asteroid rock <laughs> is coming, and we need to divert it before it destroys everything. Uh, the well, rock, Dwayne the rock, rock Johnson, would just like catch the rock in his hand and just chuck it back into space yes. and call it good. But you know, hey, yeah, toss it over his shoulder. Yeah, exactly. All right, look, I can see it right there. There's a big asteroid heading straight. For us, and I'm not just a quack. I'm the founder of the Amateur League of Looking at the Sky and Finding Stuff Department. <laughs> oh, wait. There's a bunch of guys in big black SUVs coming. I'm going to have to call you back. <laughs> at the SGC, Carter is briefing the general and the rest of her team on the big asteroid. It was actually a fluke they found it, but they did, and now they have 11 days and 16 hours to come up with a solution. If they don't, all Earth, Earth, all life on Earth will be wiped out when this 137-kilometer behemoth crashes into the planet. Oh, no! And no, it's not actually supposed oh, to hit no. Paris. It's supposed to hit, like, Greenland. Oh, dear. Mm -hmm. Where's all of our green going to come yes. from if it hits Greenland? Anyway, they Give contact the Tok'ra, but after the Gua'uld attack on Ravana, they're in no position to offer any aid right now. They contact the Asgard. You know, they owe us a favor, right? But unfortunately, <laughs> the Protected Planet Treaty prevents the Asgard from helping with this natural disaster. And after losing his temperature, and his temperature, his temper, and making, you know, questionable remarks about Frere's mother, Jack decides it's time to go home and work on Plan C. Plan C. Well, let's take the Teltec that Jacob crashed on Ravana, fly it to the asteroid, drop a giant bomb into one of the crevices, and hit the big red button. That should work. Yep, absolutely. Plan C always works. Enacting Plan C. <laughs> 
SG-1 takes an engineering team to the planet Ravana to begin work. Before they leave, however, General Hammond informs Colonel O'Neill that should this plan prove untenable, the Colonel is to report to the Alpha site and take command. No arguments. On Ravana, they fix the ship, and mostly, and set off for Earth. They finally arrive in Earth's solar system. The SGC is concerned, however, because they spent way more time than they had planned to travel from Ravana to the Earth. But don't worry, there's still enough time before uh, they hit that fail-safe spot to set the bomb and depart. Fortunately. Unfortunately, however, the engines are in really bad shape and they fail to slow down the ship sufficiently as they barrel toward the giant rock. And SGC's data shows that the Teltec smashed into the surface of the rock, killing everyone. No one could have survived. Oh, no. Hammond no one, continues no one with the evacuation plans to the Alpha site. Alpha site. Why? Because he literally has nothing else he can do. Fortunately, however, our <laughs> heroes aren't called heroes for nothing. They fly nope. into a giant crevice, and with maneuvering jets on full reverse, full reverse, they manage to slow the ship just enough so that they don't die, and instead hover just feet above the surface. Wahoo. Woo. Woo. Okay. O'Neill and Teal'c suit up in spacesuits and begin the process of driving the giant nuke into, uh, uh, into one of the tunnels of the asteroid as far as possible. There, they set the timer for two hours. That should give them plenty of time to get back to the ship and fly away safely before they hit the failsafe point and they blow up the asteroid saving the day. Huzzah! However, as they approach the ship, the asteroid flies through a debris field, which pelts the ship with tiny little rocks and breaches the hull. That's not good. Sam and Daniel are in there. What are they going to do? They do the only thing they can do, and they hide in the escape pods. And when the danger mm -hmm. from the, the debris subsides, Teal'c and Jack return to the ship to find it empty. Where did their companions go? Oh, they're safely in, in the escape pods. Good. Now let's fix Thunk. the ship. Thunk, thunk. After they fix the ship, they go and release Sam and Daniel from their self-induced coffins. Disaster averted. Kind of. While Teal'c and Jack were driving and setting a bomb in the crevice of the asteroid, Carter was checking and rechecking her calculations and her math, and she says there's too much gravity. The gravity of the situation is just too big. <laughs> Something is wrong. Oh, oh my goodness, look at that. The core of this asteroid is not Nikolayan. It's mostly raw Naquita. Oh, great. If we set off that nuke, the resulting explosion will vaporize all the water on the planet, killing everything. And if we don't set off the nuke, it'll crash into the planet and kill everything. Is there a choice C? It's a perfect C? plan. Oh, wait. This is choice C. Is there a choice <laughs> D? <laughs> Anybody? Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> well, first things first, we need to turn off the nuke. So, Teal'c and Jack suit up again and head to the bomb. Again? There's just one problem. A rock smashed into the keypad and now it won't work. Their only recourse is to open the bomb and manually cut the red wire. Mm -hmm. You remember when of I course, said there was the just wire. one problem? Well... I was wrong. There are several more problems. All the wires now are yellow. Mm -hmm. Oh, dear. 
Jack slowly snips them one by one, <laughs> hoping that he snips the wire that will turn it off before he snips the wire that will make it blow up. And with only two remaining wires to snip, the colonel closes his eyes, snips one of them, and... And they don't die. Yay! 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 They return to the ship. Now, since Nakwada doesn't appear naturally in Earth's solar system, they determine that the Gulwuld must have brought this asteroid here as a means of circumnavigating the treaty with the Asgard. Could this be the plan Anubis through Osiris alluded to in the previous episode? Yes. Yes, I believe mm. it is. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. they have a few options. They could, one, give up, fly away, and hopefully make it to the Alpha site. Not likely, but it's possible. Two, they could fly away and call for help to the Asgard, hoping that they can do something before it's too late. Not likely, mm-hmm. but it's possible. Or three, they can wrap the entire asteroid in a hyperspace field from the engines that don't work very well on the Teltech and fly the asteroid through the planet. Option three it is! What? That's the plan! This is the plan D that they were looking for! I guess. Jack watches <laughs> as the Earth gets closer and closer and closer. Sam waits until the final moment Jack can see his house. Sam hits the big <laughs> go button and <gasps> it works! The yes! day is saved! Well, Woo! the Earth is saved! As for the Teltec and our intrepid heroes, the engines are broken and the life support will only last a couple more hours. <laughs> oh, dear. The team is about to settle in knowing that at least they saved the planet. When? What is that? <gasps> it's a Tok'ra scout ship piloted by Jalen, and it arrives there, and she says, Do oh. you need assistance? And, Heck, uh, yes, we do. Yes, assistance is rendered, and the team returns home safely. The end. The end. The end. All right, Brentley. Brentley. Yeah. Fail safe. Uh-huh. What do you think? I liked it. Now I'll go backwards. I'll start with the end and work backwards. By the time the thing ended, I was like, "Wow, that was kind of a fun adventure." Going through the planet with the asteroid—that was kind of crazy. Like. Having our team rescued by the by the Toker just in time? Sure, why not? Having the Naquita-infused asteroid on a collision course with Earth so that no matter what they did, Earth was going to be destroyed was kind of genius, except for one part. If you wanted it to look like a natural disaster and you ended up having the asteroid blow up into a Nova-type situation because of Naquita, and Naquita doesn't appear naturally in the solar system, that is a little suspicious that it was planted there by somebody who wants Earth gone. Oh, but we did establish way early on that the Gua'uld were having plausible deniability problems. Well, I mean, I don't know if there's problems if they're successful. Maybe this wasn't a bad plan, actually. Anyway, but the point is, as far as the effectiveness of the plan is concerned, it was unquestionably good. Either the thing smashes into Earth and everybody dies, or the thing gets blown up and everybody dies. Brilliant. And uh, that they had the problems with landing on the on the on the asteroid was a nice little moment there to kind of paper over some of the scientific things that I was kind of grousing about as I was watching it because in the first part of the episode I was sitting there like that's not how that works that wouldn't be like that that's not what it would look like this is wrong that's my minute I was being a grumpy pants but when you spun it when the show spun it and it was all like this asteroid isn't like a normal asteroid I was like ooh tell me more and they were like this <laughs> asteroid came from a completely different place in the universe I'm like aha that explains it now I thought 
we were going to go into the direction that the asteroid was actually like some kind of an alien vessel. Like I thought mm. that that was where we were going to go with it, but it turns out it didn't. Doesn't matter. Made for still for a great story. I had a lot of fun. Um, I think that this one was like appropriately tense where it needed to be appropriately tense. There was definitely a number of kind of, you know, this went wrong. That went wrong. This goes wrong. That goes wrong. And each one was kind of stacking up. And so it felt like, you know, like, so, uh, you know, let's envision a meter or something. Right? We're, we're at zero. <laughs> a problem happens and we're at a hundred and we solve down to like 40 before the next problem happens. And now we're at 140 and we solve down the next one to like 80 and then another problem happens. And so we're at 180, right? So like we never really get back down to zero with the problems. We just solve just enough to keep the thing going before the next problem arise arises like quick example like the 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 meteor storm which again was another moment of me grousing because it was like well it probably wouldn't necessarily go like that because blah 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 and reasons (laughs) it doesn't matter it was fun and they got punctured and all of a sudden where's the crew and i said to myself aha i did notice early on that we had a really nice shot where those uh escape pods were very well lit like at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, the escape pods. Look at that. And then when we were like, where's Carter? Where's Daniel? And I was thinking to myself, oh, they're in the escape pods. And sure enough, they were, and it was all great. It was fun. I liked it. I had a good time with it. Um, I think I was enjoying the moment. You know, even the snipping of the wires, as cliche as that was, was tense. And I was yeah. thinking to myself about about our good friend David and how he's constantly referring to plot armor. And I'm like, well, of course, plot armor means that they're going he, that he's going to snip the right wire. But hey, that was that was well. It, I was feeling a little anxious. It was good. I liked it. I don't know. I had a fun time. What about you? What do you think about this one? Yeah, I enjoy this episode. It's a fun episode. Um, mm-hmm. It it's an action suspense episode. Um, there's, there are some great lines in it. Um, Mm -hmm. there's appropriate tension in it. You're right. The, the, you know, I fully expected them to snip the correct wire and it was going to be the fourth of the fifth wires that they connected. Why snip? Because it's always that in these movies, uh, in these types of shows, shows. But, uh, I mean, the fact that, uh, uh, all of them were yellow, Mm-hmm. <laughs> is 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 a uh, variation on that um mm-hmm. you know i think there are other stories that have you know put them in a place where the color doesn't matter or they can't tell right. what the color is but uh you know usually it's always cut the whatever color wire and yep. and uh you know here now the fact that they're all one color although i have to say that uh if if i were setting up a um you know, one thousand and one billion TNT bomb, whatever yes. it is, right? Uh, and all of this stuff. Um, and the simplest, I mean, you know, all you'd have to do is unscrew these two screws with the uh, uh, you know drill that we happen to have provided on the cart <laughs> for you, <laughs> and then yep. cut the red wire. Um, you know, yep. that's actually a badly designed bomb. The fact that all of the uh, wires are yellow at least yes. makes it um, <laughs> more tense. It, 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 and, you know, in defense of the engineer who designed the thing, look, 
you probably don't want your bad guy to just pop a couple of screws off and be able to snip the correct wire the first time. At least give them a one in five chance of failing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so uh, now it made for a good story here, um, but uh, it there there's some some plot issues there that makes you go, really? Really? But, yeah. you know, yeah. also, but these are things that, that I think about after the fact, after we've watched the show, you know, and for me, right. dozens yes. of times. Um, because in the moment, um, also because, uh, you know, this this is a riff on Armageddon and all of these disaster mm-hmm. type movies. Um, and this is one of the uh, quintessential elements of those types of movies and this is exactly how those Mm -hmm. elements in a movie go and here what i see here one of the reasons i enjoy this is because you have sg1 um telling the story it's serious within the narrative and when you step out of the narrative you see the joke you see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They're, they they mm-hmm. are playing into all of this stuff, right? Armageddon has them go to that asteroid and they have to dry, drill a big giant hole in it before they can drop, drop the nuke down in it. Well, in this one, they're <laughs> yep. natural crevices, you know? So, I mean, you see these parallels right. happening here. Um, and it's exactly the type of thing that I love about SG-1 as a TV show Mm -hmm. because it takes all of these tropes that are external to the series and it brings them into the series and uh, it it operates seriously in the show and yet Mm -hmm. also just allows you to chuckle at at the uh, the tropisms of it, uh, mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I I enjoy that. There are some that are coming up in future seasons that just make me giggle, um, but I can't tell mm-hmm. you about those right now. I'll have to wait until they hap- absolutely nope. come. Um, but uh, you know, this type of thing we've seen this in the past, and we will see it continue into the future. And I love that about it. So, um, and you know, you look at this idea from. The Gould perspective, um, mm-hmm. and if you make the assumption that this is Anubis's plan, which I don't right. think they actually name Anubis in this episode, but as the audience member, it's fa- safe to to make connect those dots. I don't think I'm spoiling sure. anything to connect those dots. No, but, I, that's what I was thinking of afterwards. Yeah, you know. So here we have a really ingenious plan. We're going to yeah. create this asteroid, get it on going. Um, it's going to be sufficiently off of the, I mean, it's not on the, the, the plane of planets and asteroid belts and all that stuff. Uh It's coming Uh off of that, which means it's going (laughs) to be harder to notice. Um, not impossible, but then if somebody quibbles as to why does this have Nakwa in the final explosion? Well, who knows, but it came from off, you know, I mean, so there's some plausible deniability even Uh, there, right? Oh, um, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, you've yeah, got yeah, this, yeah, yeah. you know, darned if you do, darned if you don't type of thing going on here. If they blow it up, it's yep. going to destroy the planet. If they don't blow it up, it's going to destroy the planet. Um, they really right. did come up with the one in 10,000 option that could have saved the day. And as far yes. as Anubis is concerned, uh, how would he, you know, so like, you know, Anubis is sitting there like, what the heck? He didn't plan for that. I, yep. <laughs> what? You know what? I will I will give a special thanks 
to uh, it was Joe Malazzi and Paul Molly who wrote this one, right? Yes. Um, f- they did not solve the problem with C four in this episode, and I am very thankful. They they almost thought they were going to solve it with a very big version of C four, but yep. turns out they had to solve it differently. Super yeah. good. Yeah. Um. So you know, just the the fact that now here we have the plan of the bad guy to destroy Earth is mm-hmm. actually a really good plan. And it's darn close yes. to foolproof. <laughs> it just, they, you know, in, in the unlikely circumstance that you roll three natural 20s in a row. Yeah, that's what they did. They survived yeah. and they did. So, yes. you know, yes. wow. Yes. Um, and I learned a thing about, uh, I don't know if we knew before that, that the hyperspace technology in these ships actually allows it to exit um, exit known space, which of course is a very common way to describe warp travel. So it's not, I'm not sitting here like, Oh my gosh, I never thought of that before, well, but it's nice to kind of have it on paper. Like so this stuff the, goes through yeah. ordinary space in, in, uh, in sci-fi parlance, you have kind of two means of, of space travel. You've got warped speed in star Trek and you've got hyperspace in star Wars. Uh, your warp yes. speed in Star Trek really doesn't remove you from this plane of existence or whatever. You just are going super fast. They warp things up yep. and then... But hyperspace in the Star Wars universe, and this is, I think, a variation therein, uh, literally takes you out of this environment uh, into a different area where you go fast and then you pop in mm-hmm. again later. Um, Battlestar Galactica yep. also operates on a variation of that in their yep. jump uh, speed uh, stuff. Um, and mm-hmm. so within the physics of that, um, you know, recognizing that this is sci-fi physics and not physics physics, uh, and maybe it's physics right. physics, I don't know. I'm not a physics person. Well, I mean, I think that that's, that's sort of the thing. I know we're at tangents and I'm keeping an eye on the clock, but like the, the notion, sci- science fiction has imagined solutions that end up working in the real world. Yeah. Um, but it's partly, it ends up working in the real world, not because the science fiction was like an Oracle, but more along the lines of like, you know, you dream up enough different ways of doing things. And one of them turns out to be kind of close to the, to the way that it actually is. But unless you say it out loud, somebody else who can do the math to figure the thing out might not even envision it in the first place. Indeed. Indeed. That's how we got three and a half inch floppy drives. Yes, and microwave ovens. And my and iPads. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. All of those and, things. And um, ion drives. That's true, too. Ah, well, there you go. So, <sighs> All right, we're, we're tangents, tangents. We are. Yep. Okay, so we need to uh, continue <laughs> uh, so that the Earth doesn't blow up. Now. Yes, yes, we've got to keep on track. Right. I think. Can't, can't cross the point of no return. Nope. Can't do the German way. Nope. No, the end of the world. We cannot have the end of the world. We have to. So I'm going to bring our conversations to a screeching halt and invite you to say how many chevrons does this episode get? Fine. You know what? I'm on board with this. I'm on board with this. Um, Especially because this is an episode that doesn't necessarily need to have an awful lot of discussion because it was a fun episode. you know, oh no, the Earth is going to blow up because of an asteroid. It's, it's. I was thinking back on our conversation with Joe Malazzi where he was like, he likes episodic television because he can do, you can do this genre, you can do that genre, and you, you have the freedom to do it. Yeah. This one was 
fun, but it wasn't like surpassingly fun. Yeah, I don't know. No, I'm going to stick with my original one. This is fun, but it wasn't like surpassingly fun. There was definitely some spots in it which had a little bit of punkiness to it. But overall, I had a fine time and I enjoyed it. I'm going to give it a five, not a six. Um, but I had to think about that one. Sure. The punkiness, the spots were kind of ugh, were enough for me to be like, eh, this thing wasn't like brilliant, but it was still a delight. I had a fun time. I was appropriately tense when I needed to be tense. Five out of seven for me. Five out of seven. How about okay. you, Zach? I am going to actually bump that up just a little bit. I'm going to go five and a half out of seven. Um, mm-hmm. Just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I agree with you. It's not quite at that sixth level, I don't think, but it's just a fun episode. Uh, I think for me, I'm going to give it that extra bump because uh, I, especially after this conversation, I appreciate even more after talking with you the the strength of this plan from the Gulawold perspective uh, oh, and yeah. how remarkable yeah, it is that uh, the Earth survives it. So I'll give it a five yes. and a half out of seven. Yeah. All right. So we will begin with our predictions, and we have several predictions yes. in a few different Good. locations. So um, this is, we'll start with uh, Kevin. Kevin, Hi, Kevin. Uh, has been watching the show a lot and fa- listening to us like super duper fast, like warp speed fast, and he's finally <laughs> caught up and he can vote. <laughs> he can do this. All right. So he's going to predict Welcome. that I will give it a five. Uh, and as long as, as long as my bagel wasn't burnt and Brent will give it a five because that's what Brent, P.S. for Brent, how do you like your bagels? Cream cheese, butter, uh, the people need to know as it might affect your score. Okay, yes, there is a correct answer to this one, and any anything that deviates from it is incorrect. A proper bagel is a plain toasted bagel with plain cream cheese. Anything else is just overdoing it. Ugh. Uh, just a plain bagel? Enemies. Just a plain, just, plain bagel. Just a plain bagel. There's nothing more delicious than a plain bagel and plain cream cheese. You gotta oh, no, understand. No, 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 no. Go with the, the simplicity. The, the best bagel on the planet is the everything bagel. No, that's too much. That's not too much. It's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> Toast it with some butter. You don't need the cream cheese. You just need the everything oh, bagel no, and no. butter. And mm, no. perfect. Now, I will tell you, I will not turn down a toasted everything bagel with butter because, come on, I'm not a heathen. But if you're going to do it right, <laughs> no, plain and plain. No, 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 <laughs> no. Move, another, way to, another great way to do bagels is an Asiago bagel with, oh, that, and yes, with yes. you know, a fried egg and, and bacon or sausage and cheese and make yourself a nice bagel sandwich there. That, mm, yeah, that, that's, there's that's a, good stuff too. There's a deli, there's a deli in uh, Hyde Park, Chicago, which I don't know if they're still open. Uh, egg McMorry, Asiago cheese bagel, pastrami heated up folded mm. egg cheddar oh, get that with a large coffee cream and sugar Woo! you're having a good morning man all right so helio uh <laughs> Hi, helio <laughs> i'm trying to move us on right uh-huh. <laughs> all right helio says uh zach will give this a four and brent will give it a three uh Ooh. as he will say it's just copying armageddon uh, that, yes that was the right. thing is copying armageddon uh I like it. I like the homage to it. It works for me. I was having a fun time with it. Yep. Yep. Um, Jacqueline says... Hi, Jacqueline. I'm going to go down the middle and say five from Brent and five and a half from Zach this week. Bing! Jacqueline, bing! 
You got Boom. it right. I think that's uh, her like third or fourth, maybe fifth time getting it right on the money. She's really good. Yeah, she is good. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, we have Kimberly, nice. who I Kimberly. predicts both of us at four. I mm-hmm. predict that Brent had a Brent McMuffin this morning, but nah. burned it slightly. This episode come, comes down from the highs of the last run of episodes, but heightens the Gould threat. The Tauri are yeah, actually a force yeah. to be concerned about and not just a passing amusement. 100% yeah. true. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, so did you actually have a, a bagel uh, this morning? No, Brent? no. I did. Uh, I think I... Uh, no, this morning uh, we had uh, cinnamon rolls because... Ah. Uh, we were celebrating Fat Tuesday a little early, so. Well, there you go. Yeah, I still really enjoy how my breakfasts like factor into what people predict I will rate a show. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, we have we have another one here from Austin. I knew there was another. Oh, one hey, there Austin. Somewhere here we go. Yeah, this episode is one of my favorites, as it really? is just good popcorn. Yes. Uh, absolutely, Shay. Yes. Austin, that, that's 100% true. Uh, strap yourself in and forget that once the asteroid was in that close proximity to Earth, everyone with a Celestron <laughs> could see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Science fiction has a problem with proximity to make for good television. Well, like. <laughs> also, if, if you, so like, they said it's going to take a couple of days to fix the ship. And oh yeah, and, and then they, they, they have like there. eleven days to get there. It's gonna take a couple yeah. days to fix the ship, and maybe a week, uh, eight days to fly from Ravana to Earth. They get to Earth, and they have been gone for ten days. Yeah, so ten days from when the engineers left the planet, which assumes is assuming they took two days to do that. Let's do the math. That's twelve days. Yeah, that's twelve days. The math yeah. doesn't work in this episode, but still. No. It's fun. Eh, it's fine. Anyway. It works out. Uh, Austin says, a solid six out of seven for me, uh, mm-hmm. five and a seven for Brent and Zach, mm-hmm. as the plot of the meta narrative is dealt with like when someone waves at you from the road when you drive past. You wave back, but not because you care, but because of some stupid impulsive obligation. Because oh. <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> You like a tense show, not because it's good, but just because it's tense. Yes. Oh, does this episode deal with Anubis or with Bruce Willis and the oil drillers? I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't right, matter. Right. It's fun and wouldn't spend much time analyzing it either. <laughs> You're in luck, Austin, because neither did we. Oh, but there wasn't really much to analyze. There were some fun parts. There was some cleverness. I liked the cleverness, but yes, it wasn't like a deep episode. Absolutely. It didn't ask any big questions, but it was clever. Yep. It worked out. Yep. And then, of course, we have David's prediction uh, on email. A giant asteroid is buffering and (laughs) it's gone. (laughs) Poof. Poof. Sometimes the plot armor is just too strong for an episode. At least in a movie like Deep Impact or Armageddon, they can have a disaster strike the Earth because that's what the movie is about. They can kill mm-hmm. off Bruce Willis or Robert Duvall and his entire crew because it's about the heroic sacrifice to save the world. They can right. kill off the lead heroine after she willingly gave up her place on the helicopter for a mother and child so she can make amends with her father and... Uh, never mind, we don't need to rehash the movies. 
<laughs> they can do all that because there will be no sequel, no Deep Impact no, 2, no Armageddon 2. <laughs> Deep this Impact time 2, personal. oh no, another one. <laughs> they are one and done films. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Deep Impact 3. My God, they keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, carry man. on, carry on. Sorry, sorry. So, sorry. He continues. This is a Stargate. <laughs> this is Stargate, though. They're not going to destroy the Earth. They're not going to kill no. off the entire SG-1 team. Why? Nope. Because we need them back next week. This is mm-hmm. why Hero in Jeopardy episodes are generally not my favorite, because we know that their plot armor is just too strong for anything serious yep. like death to happen to a main character. Mm-hmm. Watch Game of Thrones for lessons on how to do away with plot armor for important characters. Mm-hmm. Indeed. In this Indeed. case, the entire Earth is encased in vibranium plot armor. <laughs> <laughs> and don't get me started on it just disappeared and reappeared on the other side of the world. Somebody I thought that was clever. saw something. Shameless plug, Zach and I discussed this and other exposure incidents on episode three of The Other Side of the Gate. Join the Patreon today. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, David. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So, he predicts Brent for chevrons because while it may have been interesting seeing how they were going to do it, the outcome was a foregone conclusion and there was no real tension because of it. Zach, for chevrons because once was enough for this one. (laughs) <laughs> P.S. I prefer Deep Impact over Armageddon Ah, uh, You know, I have to say that I haven't seen either one of those movies in 20 plus years uh, That said, as I recall from when I watched these back in like 98 I thought that um, Deep Impact was overall a better movie So I'll agree with you mm-hmm. on that front Because I don't want to miss things Right so, is that it for predictions? That is the end of our Chevron rating predictions. Thank you very nice. much, everybody who Thank you sent very much, in those indeed. predictions. Uh, feel free to email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com if you want to get those ahead of time, or you can go to Facebook uh, and comment like so many others have as well. Both of those are mm-hmm. legitimate options. Uh, you can tweet us, but email me that you tweeted us because Brent doesn't tell me these things. Nobody tweets us. Well, fair enough. I assume you could. <laughs> you could. So maybe if you do, I'm telling be you everything there what... is to know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you know, there you go. All right, Brent. Yes. The next episode of Stargate SG1, season five, mm-hmm. is called The Warrior. Mm-hmm. And I ask you, what is The Warrior about? The Warrior. Oh, boy. No one's going to get this. That's fine. Okay. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 trap... Let's start that all over again. Next time on Stargate SG-1, the SG-1 team travel through the gate to find themselves on a strange world. They find themselves in the middle of what appears to be a large sports arena. Well, actually, not that large. It's kind of small. It's only really actually the size of one particular... like Like a high school basketball court. And... In it are uh, there are spectators looking down at this particular this particular feat of strength, and at one point this small group of 
people with with instruments uh, start to start to play a song which can only be described as it must be good to the people that are hearing it because the rest of the crew feel like it's completely out of tune and a little bit offbeat and it doesn't really make a whole lot of it's not that good and <clears throat> everyone rises to their feet and they start to say hail green and gold bright colors of bold march on to victory as our warriors have foretold we will make his story Side by side we gather with pride to keep our spirits strong. Once we get fired up, stand aside, our victory won't take long. Because they landed in the high school that I grew up in, which was the Warriors, and they that was the fight song. And I could keep going because there's actually a chorus and a verse to it, but we're not going to do it because nobody cares. Join us next time on Stargate SG-1, where Brent relives his high school, and they see the Warrior. Well. Is this about basketball? No. No. Is this about no. sports? Um, not, not like what about, thinking, no. What about a pep band that really shouldn't be called that? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I they will say really that hard. there are elements of this episode that involve cheering people on. Okay. There so we go. got that. I, I can get so, down with that. Yeah, sure. Now, I, I will say that. I had no idea. Uh, we've we've been friends for uh, a while, a long time now. Yes, nearly twenty years. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the, yep. <laughs> but in all of that time, I did not know that your mascot in high school was the Warriors. And well, that was because I graduated from a different school. But yeah, I grew up in one where it was the Warriors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, but but. But even so, uh, the, the reason that this is, this is relevant is because my high school mascot was also the Warriors. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, well, what were your school colors? Um, red and blue. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Hail green and gold. That's why the, you know, yeah, ours so were green it, and gold. Yeah. Yeah. The, the green and gold were, were the, one of the other schools in town. Oh, talk boo. About them. Yeah, boo. 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 Yeah. Other yeah. schools. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, uh, high school reminiscing aside, shall we watch the promo and find out what this episode <laughs> is actually all about? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I am hitting play now. My name is Katano. The once first prime of Imhotep. Ooh. A false god. Okay. Next time on Stargate SG-1. Now I am free. A new charismatic leader has arisen amongst the Jaffa. Uh-huh. Then you know in your heart and in your mind that the Goa'uld are not gods. Yeah. Is he truly the hope for the freedom of all Jaffa? I honor he who would kill his god. And to his brethren of the Tori, players of Ra, huh? Hathor, Zetesh, Kerur, Sokar, Honus, and Apophis. Or are they right in their concerns with their latest ally? Sir, that's a Nacquan enhanced bomb. He sent him on a suicide. It's all next time oh, on Stargate SG. Oh, oh boy. Oh Here boy. Here we go. <laughs> oh boy. Here we go. Okay. So, uh, that's the warrior. 
Um, special <laughs> thanks to David for producing you, David. the promos again for us. Um, hey, Brent. Yeah. We did it. Yes. We saved the day in less than an hour. We we made we finally were able to get everything we needed to have said said in less than ninety minutes. <laughs> I know. Wow. People are going to say, "Why can't you do this every week?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Because uh, then it's not fun. I mean, no. I guess you, you and I could have a ninety minute conversation at the front end of every call, but you know. Yeah. Well, you know, I appreciate that. That was a good conversation, but it uh, was. You know, I mean, this is an episode that I think makes this possible because absolutely there really wasn't a whole lot in this episode to uh, really dig and chew onto a whole lot, I don't think. However, think if we were Austin wrong on and head, we totally popcorn. and completely missed something, this yes. is your opportunity to write us and tell us where we missed it and what we missed. Uh, you yep. can email us at walkingthroughstargate at gmail.com. You can, of course, tweet us at Stargate Walking. You can find us on uh, Facebook, uh, Walking Through the Stargate page and group, and share your thoughts and comments there. Um, and, you know, you could join us on Patreon if you want and uh, listen to all those fun episodes and go from there. Absolutely. So, thank you very much for listening. Um, mm -hmm. We'll be back next week as we talk about The Warrior. Yep. Um, so with that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home.